0: Hey, everybody. Can you hear me all right? Okay, we had a few complaints this morning in the first service that wasn't loud enough, so I'm going to talk loud. But, anyways, we're good to have you. It's so good to have you here. We're continuing our series on Cross Church Goes Fishing. And uh, I I just want to begin by sharing with you a story uh, uh, about my family, actually. My dad tells me about how my grandfather, after he retired, he wanted to make a few extra dollars. And, uh, and so he said, uh, well, you know, my, my wife could sell pots. My, my grandmother sold aluminum pots. I think she did that door to door. And then my uncle was an amazing salesman. He could sell dirt to farmers. And uh, he's just that kind of a salesman. So my grandfather thought, well, my wife can do it. My youngest son can do it. I'm going to give it a try myself. And so he, he uh, was going to sell fuller brushers. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. The company still exists. Um, it was before my time. Um, but who knew that there are so many different kinds of brushes? There's fingernail brushes and shoe brushes and coat brushes, teeth, tooth, teeth brushes, toothbrushes, uh, hair brushes, uh, scrub brushes, brushes for pets. There's all kinds of brushes. So uh, there's, there's a great quantity of items that you could sell. And so my grandfather, uh, this is actually a picture of him, can we put that up? There we go. There's, there he is. There's grandpa. Uh, He went door to door and um, my uncle went with him and just sort of coach him and encourage him. And, uh, and here's what he said when he rang the doorbell, the person answered the door. He said, I'm selling fuller brushes, but you don't want any. That was, that was his sales pitch. Now, for us, we thought that was absolutely hilarious, especially to those who are in the business of sales. You understand that if you're going to sell something, you have to have some, some uh, enthusiasm behind that. There's got to be some passion. You've got to you gotta be convinced that what I'm selling to you is the best thing that uh, has ever been made since sliced bread. Well, you can, you can quickly imagine that his sales uh, career didn't go very far. In fact, I think he, he did it for one day and he never did it again. Uh, Fuller Brush made a lot of money that day, but it came from him, not from anybody else, not from any clients. His problem was this. He didn't know his, he didn't really know his product and he, he didn't believe in it. He wasn't passionate about it. It wasn't something that he was terribly excited about. This is why so many of us are not good at sharing our faith because we really don't know our product. We don't know the person that that we're trying to tell people about, which is Jesus. And maybe we just don't believe in it the way we need to believe in it. For some of us, you grew up in church and it's like, yeah, you go to church and uh, you're, you're what we call a cultural Christian. You grew up in the church, you've been to church all your life, but somehow it hasn't hit you yet. That's the difference between... A good salesman and a bad salesman. A good salesman understands this product and he's passionate about it because he knows it's the best thing you can buy. Imagine going to a car dealership and you get there and the salesman comes up to you and says, you don't want to buy one of these cars. You would say, what kind of a crazy place is this, Right. I know my experience, anytime I go to, I go, to, I go to, uh, to the Ford right by Polo Park, the Ford dealership. And every time I go in there to get the oil change, I, I walk through, the, through, the, uh, through the, the showroom. And just to see what I'm missing and see whether or not I'm ready for a new vehicle or not. And every single time I go in there, I, I've got about two or three or four guys come up to me. And they want to sell me a vehicle really bad. Folks, I want to tell you something. The passion that these guys have for vehicles that last for a few years and that are gone forever is a passion that you and I should have in sharing our faith with others. Would you agree with that? Would you say amen to that? And yet we're passionate about all kinds of things, but when it comes to our Lord Jesus Christ, we seem to be lacking desperately in that way. And that's that's a problem. That's problematic. If you're a believer today, because when Jesus began his ministry, this was the very first thing that he said. If you could change that slide, please. At the beginning of his earthly ministry, he says, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Those are the very first instructions that he gave his new believers. And then we find at the end of his ministry, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. He says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Teach those new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. So we see at the very beginning of his ministry, and at the very end of his ministry, he's virtually saying the same thing. He's saying, this is what it's all about. It's all about all of you going out and winning people for Christ. It's all about you going out and making disciples. So as Christians, if you and I are not doing that, then we have completely missed the point of why Jesus came and what he wanted us to do. Why, by the way, did Jesus leave the splendors of heaven to come to this earth? For one reason, to seek and to save what was lost. And folks, you and I, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we love him, then we will have the same passion and we will have the same compassion about reaching people who are living in darkness, who are living in sorrow, in pain, in suffering. We will have the same compassion about reaching people who are being abused and people who are being hurt, those who are being taken advantage of. You and I will be the most passionate about helping those who are experiencing injustice. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to notice that word nations, because that's going to really play big into what I'm sharing with you this morning. Sandwiched between these two scriptures in Luke and Matthew, go, go be fishers of men and go make disciples, sandwiched in between there is Jesus' ministry. And in that time, Jesus both explains the why and shows the how of Making fish of uh, catching fish, if you want to use that, that analogy. Jesus shows them how to do it. He didn't just say, go and do it. He says, here, follow me and, and just do whatever I do. Follow my example. I'm going to give you instruction, and then you just go and do it. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the why and the how of sharing our faith. Because what you and I need to know is that the reason you and I can't win people to Christ is because we, like my grandpa, we don't really know our product, and we don't really feel any belief or passion for it. And he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm kind of offended by that. Hey, you know what? You can tell me what you believe, but that is, it's, it's pretty meaningless. You, you, I know what you believe based on what you do. That's the only way that I really know what you believe. And so that's the message for us today. What you do really is the indicator of what you believe. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying this morning that you and I will, will have a, a revival, if you will, a personal revival, a revival in our home and even a revival in our church where we understand that God has called us to go and make disciples. So let's talk about the why, the why of going fishing. Why must we go and do this? It's been estimated that between uh, 70 and 80 percent of churches in North America, evangelical churches, which, which is what we are, are on the decline. Between 70 and 80 percent—it's it's shocking news. People, we're in decline. We're not growing. We're not reproducing. And I know some of you think, "Well, hold on a minute. I know some big churches that are growing." But here's the problem with that: is that church growth now in North America is almost solely from people transferring from one church to another church to another church to another church. How many know that that's not what Jesus has in mind when he talks about going fishing? He's not talking about transferring from church to church to church. He's talking about go and win new people. People that don't know Jesus. People who have never heard about Christ. Or people that you know, maybe have heard of Christ, but have never been engaged. So it's at least 85% or maybe 90% now of church growth is just people from moving from church to church to church. Here at Cross Church, what I want is I want to see us win souls for Christ. And I got some good news to share with you by the end of the message. But let me ask you the question today. Are you actively involved in sharing your faith? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? Statistics say that, that every year there are 4,000 evangelical churches that are closed down. Every year the doors are closed, they, the church no longer exists. 4,000 a year. First of all, that's a lot of churches in North America if you can close 4,000 a year. But this is shocking, folks. We're in trouble. We're in serious trouble in North America. The gospel light that has gone forth from all these churches, those lights will all now be distinguished, extinguished in those communities. It's over. No more light. So the question is this, is what is God going to do with us? How will God use us to bring light and hope to a dark and hurting world? God's got work for us to do. Would you say amen to that? Yeah. That wasn't as, as convincing an amen as I was hoping for. Maybe we could try it one more time. Amen? Amen. Thank you. We've got the Amen section up here. I love it. We can move a little closer. I'm going to read to you some scripture. Luke chapter 10. And remember, this is happening now in the middle of the bookends. The bookends being Jesus says, go make disciples in Luke chapter 5. And at the end, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Here's what Jesus is doing and saying in the middle of all this. Remember, he's showing the why and the how of making disciples. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, and I don't know if you knew this, there's more than 12 disciples. Yes, there's, there's actually, uh, well, by, by Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, we got at least 120 disciples. What is a disciple, by the way? It's somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a disciple. And so this week, when you go and talk to your friends and your neighbors, you can say, hey, i got something to tell you, i got news for you. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they're going to say, well, hey, I thought they were all dead now. (laughs) And you're going to say, no, we we still exist. In fact, there's lots of us. In fact, did you know that there's over 2 billion disciples of Jesus Christ around the world today? Yeah, 2 billion, folks. It's pretty pretty amazing. So here's Jesus now with his 72 disciples. He sends them ahead in pairs, two by two, to all the towns and the places that he planned to visit. So they're, they're, the, they're the advanced team. They're going ahead so that when Jesus gets there, they'll be ready to hear his message. And these were Jesus' instructions. Remember, here's the, here's the how, and you're going to see the why in just a moment. The harvest is great, Jesus says, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. But what are his fields? It's the earth, isn't it? It's, it's, it's all, all human beings. And Jesus says, now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Can I ask you this? Are these lambs safe amongst the wolves? They're absolutely safe. Why? Because these lambs are not going in their own strength. They're going in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. With you and the Holy Spirit, you are a majority. It's all it takes is you and the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing that you can't do. And Jesus goes on to say this. Don't take any money with you, not a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. And whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And if those who live there are peaceful well, then the blessing will stand. And if they're not, well, the blessing will return to you. Jesus says, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. And if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Now, this is this. This is pretty amazing. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. Have you ever seen a cat get out of a litter box? That's what Jesus is saying to do. It's pretty dramatic. And know this, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off Than such a town on Judgment Day. Did you hear that? People who have heard the gospel and reject Jesus are going to be worse off than those who will face God in the Judgment Day who were born in Sodom. Pretty powerful stuff. And we reach down to verse 16. And then he said to his disciples, Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. And when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Hey, folks, can I ask you a question? Does this still stand today? Yeah, you want to believe it. The question is this, is when's the last time you experienced the power of God working in you so powerfully that even the demons are submitting to you? You see for some people they think well that 's for the that 's the New Testament time that that is another era that doesn 't apply today there's some who would say that that's that was an apostolic movement, and that today we don 't have that, but I can tell you there is nothing in scripture in fact, if you look at the Greek uh, tenses you 'll discover that' it 's ongoing it 's not just for then it 's for now. But the reason we don't see that kind of power working in us and through us is because, quite frankly, um, we're not going out and doing what Jesus tells us to do. If you have this notion or this idea that it's all about you, then you don't get it at all. Jesus has got a whole heavenly host. What do we call the heavenly host? Angels. And God has an earthly host. What do we call the earthly host? Christians. Now, it's important to understand this, because you're going to see the, the, the correlation. You're going to see the importance of that in just a moment. But understand this. Is that God has called you and me to be his ambassadors, to be his servants. He's called us to serve him and to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus uh talking to his disciples says don't worry if they reject you they're rejecting me they're not rejecting you in verse 17 when the 72 disciples returned they joyfully reported to him lord even the demons obey us when we use your name and jesus says yes i saw satan fall from heaven like lightning look i have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them nothing will injure you but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because what? Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Your names are registered in heaven. Hey, can I ask you a question this morning? If you're not a if you're uh, if you're visiting here, maybe you've never gone to church before, can I ask you a question? Is your name registered in heaven? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Does God have a record of you so that that day when you die and you stand before God, God's going to say, "Yep. He put his faith in Jesus. Yes, he put his, she put her faith in Christ. That's how you have your name registered in heaven. If you don't have your name registered in heaven, then the Bible says that you cannot stay in heaven. You cannot be in heaven. You cannot live in heaven. Wow. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Hey, if you're sitting here today thinking, Pastor Allen, you know what? I can't witness. I can't share my faith with other people because I'm not wise or clever enough. Well, folks, I've just killed that excuse. Jesus just finished saying, I'm so glad, Lord. I'm so glad that you are hiding these things from the wise and the clever, and you're revealing it to the childlike. I don't know about you, but I consider myself to be childlike. God uses people just like you. Remember we talked about that yes last week? The, the The unlikely people that Jesus uses. People like Peter, who is, a, who is just an impetuous fisherman. Just You never knew what that guy was going to do. From cutting off people's ears to, to cursing and, and making promises that he can't keep. Jesus uses people just like you and, surprisingly, just like me. Jesus says, you're the one I want to use. You're the one. You're the one that's qualified. Not because you're so clever, so wise, or so brilliant, or so good-looking. I didn't say that, but you get the point. It's because you've experienced, you've encountered the living Christ. Now watch this. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, the very first verse that I just read, it says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. I want you to see the word 70 or 72. If you have an NLT Bible or an NIV Bible or an ESV Bible, it'll probably say 72. But if you have a King James Version, the authorized version, which is what Hannah uses, then it will say 70. Now, the reason there's a bit of a difference, and this is really, really important now, please don't zone out on me, because this is going to blow your mind. The text Receptus is what the King James Version is based on, and, it's, and it says in the original Greek language, it says 70. There's been other, other texts that, that we have found since then, where there's just very minor changes, and please don't be alarmed, because some people say, oh, the Bible's full of errors. It's not. And it, and you'll see in just a moment that this is, this is not that significant, but it's important for me to point it out because it, it matters to what I want to show you. And you'll see this in just a sec. The Lord now chose 70. Now, why, why 70? Why is that important? And some of you clever ones will say, well, because seven is the perfect number. Well, it's not quite, not quite. There's a reason for this. And the way that I can help you understand this is by going back. To Genesis chapter 10. Now, some of you know we've been asking everybody to read through their Bible every, every day because we want you to read it through the course of the year. And here's where you're going to see the importance of knowing the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis chapter 10, we have what we call the table of nations. In other words, all of the primary or the first nations that ever existed are actually listed in Genesis chapter 10. A lot of people don't know that. Now, if you read through that and you start counting up the nations, guess is what you're going to discover. That there were, in fact, how many nations do you think? 70, that's right. There were 70 nations. Now, for some people, when they count through it, they come up with with 72, depending on how you count it. Well, there were 70 or 72, it doesn't matter. The point is this, is that these are all the nations. And the number now that Jesus is sending out, I want you to see the correlation now. It's very important. The the correlation is that Jesus now is sending out one person for every nation. Why is this important? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The reason this is important is because in Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11, chapter 11 is a story about what? The Tower of Babel where everybody's tongues are confused and nobody can understand each other and everybody is dispersed throughout the nations watch this folks all those people all those nations did not recognize our God Jehovah as their god all those nations have rejected God and all these nations are now on their own and you can check this out yourself if you look at if you look at Genesis chapter 10 You'll find that nowhere in the list is there the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel did not, did not arise until after the Tower of Babel. We get to Genesis chapter 12, and we find someone by the name of Abraham. And Abraham is called by God, and God recognizes him as his own. Why? Because he put his faith in God. And God says this. This is really important. God says, you will be my, the father of my nation. God at this point is saying, I don't have any nations. But Abraham, you're going to be the father of my nation. And we know the story. We know, we know what happens. Abraham, through the seed of Abraham, the, the offspring of Abraham, the children of Israel are born. The nation of Israel is born. And then out of the, the nation of Israel, another Uh, nation is born or if you will the true nation of israel which is called the church christianity this is so amazing watch this god in genesis 10 has no nations but by the time we get to the new testament to the time that jesus has come to this earth remember he's saying i'm coming to establish my nation watch what happens A whole new nation is born, and this nation is called the people of God. It's called Israel. It's called the church, whatever you want to call it. I like to say the people of God. This now is the new nation of God, and it's through this new nation of God that God intends to reach all the nations. So here's what we discover is that God sent Jesus to this world, watch this, to take over the world. And the way that he takes over the world, folks, is by his Holy Spirit and through his people that he calls his own. There's no plan B, there's only a plan A. All those who say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. All those who recognize Christ as their Lord and their Savior are called to do this work of advancing God's kingdom, to take over the whole world. And that's why, watch this, this is why when you get to Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes, everybody starts speaking in tongues. And what does it look like? It looks like Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Everybody's speaking all these languages. Nobody likes each other anymore. Nobody understands each other. And everybody is divided. But in Acts chapter 2, it's now a reversal. Everybody's speaking different languages. But lo and behold, the Bible says that now they understand each other. And not only that, but everybody is declaring the praise of God. In Genesis 11, they hate each other. They divide. They separate. They they go to the outermost to the parts of the earth, and now they're going to the outermost parts of the earth with the good news of the kingdom of God. You need to understand that. Watch this. In Acts chapter, chapter 2, listen to what it says. It says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. God God gave gave the languages in Genesis 11, and God's given the languages again. But this time, these languages, these people are declaring the praises of God in all the languages of the world. In fact, listen to this. At that time, there were devout Jews, listen to this, from every nation living in Jerusalem. Listen, that verse is there for a reason. It's to make you understand that God's intention is to bring the truth to every single nation, to every people group, to every nationality. Because God's plan is to take over the world. And folks, it's not it's not through, through the might of men, but God is coming into people's hearts. He's taking He's claiming people's hearts. That's His plan to take over the world. To claim people's hearts. And so for this reason. Uh, folks, you and I are called by God to go and bring the good news to Burundi and around the world and right here in our own home, at our own, at our own doorstep. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. And then we read down in verse 12. Listen to this amazing verse. I've never ever heard anybody ever preach about this it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed, asking, what can this mean? And I'm going to answer that question. What does it mean that everybody's speaking in all the languages of the world? It means that God now is reversing what happened in Genesis 11, where he confused everybody's language. And now he's bringing people together. He's. He is declaring a brand new nation called the people of God under the anointing and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And this new nation is going to turn back the tide of evil and darkness in this world. Folks, I'm telling you today, God has called you to be used by him in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring light and hope to a world that is living in utter darkness. It's a world full of hopelessness and despair. Oh, God's made it clear what He wants to do. He wants to save this world, and He's going to do it through you and me. You see, Pastor Ellen, are you sure of this? Yeah, actually, I am. In fact, if you look in Revelation chapter fifteen, um, let's look look at that. Revelation fifteen four: All nations. Can we move that ahead, please? That's it. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. Look at that. All nations will come and worship God. In fact, if you read through Revelation, you're going to be struck by the number of times it talks about the nations, the nations, the nations, the nations. Which is very unusual, because up until this time, any time we talked about the people of God, it was always Israel, 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 Israel. And now, in Revelation, it's the nations, the nations, the nations. What's going on here? God's taken over the world through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his people. That's what you and I are called to do. You and I are called to be part of God's great plan to take over this world so that people can finally come to the light. You see, people are living in darkness. People are lost. People are in despair. That's why Jesus left heaven, to come and seek and to save what's lost. God in his compassion said, this world needs my son. Because people are perishing. The people are being abused and taken advantage of. And there's war and there's hatred and there's strife. But how many know that where Jesus Christ is named and recognized and embraced, there's peace. There's love. You say, I wonder where God is. I'll tell you where God is. He's right here. And he works through his people. But if you're not willing to say, God, here am I, use me. God, I'm showing up for duty. You can depend on me, God. Then I'm going to tell you, folks, that you and I are not doing what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Our job is to bring hope to a broken and hurting world. And you say, Pastor Allen, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm telling you, folks, that you can. Because you're not doing it in your own strength or in your own wisdom or in your own power. You're doing it in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you say, "I didn't know Jesus Christ was a type that would want to take over the world." He seems so meek and mild. Apparently, you haven't read about Jesus in Luke chapter or Revelation chapter nineteen, who's called the White Rider. When the White Rider comes to town, folks, look out! It's over. The enemy flees as we recognize the power of Almighty God, resident in Jesus Christ and resident in everybody. Who claims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh yes. You and I are called to go and fish for people. We're called to go and make disciples. Why? Because Jesus called us to do it. And because there's a world out there that's broken and hurting. And Jesus can't stand to see the suffering and the pain of this world. Jesus needs you. He wants you. In fact, he commands you to get on board with his great work of winning the loss. Would you say amen to that this morning? How do we fish real quickly? I know my time is running out here. How do we fish? Well, remember this. The way that you're going to evangelize and share your faith is that you need to understand you are partnering with God. You're partnering with the Holy Spirit. God never intended that you do this in your own strength. This is why he sent the Holy Spirit. And look at this. As soon as the Holy Spirit came upon those 120 disciples that were waiting for the Holy Spirit, as soon as that Holy Spirit fell, I'm telling you, a revolution happened in Jerusalem. In, the first, in that first sermon, 3,000 people got saved, turning back the powers of darkness. Within, within just, uh, just days, by Acts chapter 4, now we've got, we've got uh, almost 5,000, almost 6,000 believers And by the end of the book of Acts, we've got over 20,000 believers. People are following Christ. Why? What's going on here? I'm going to tell you what's going on. All these believers who've got the Holy Spirit are empowered to go and share their faith. And they're saying, you've got to come and experience what we've experienced. You've got to come to know Jesus. Talk about a revolution. Hey, wouldn't you say it's just about time we had another revolution? Wouldn't you say it's time that we have a revival here in Canada where people start coming to Christ? Well, it's not going to happen, folks, unless you and I say, Lord, here my I, use me. God, I want to be used by you in bringing hope and light to a broken and hurting world. So how do we do this? Because I know you're sitting here thinking, I want to do this, but I'm terrified. What should I do? Well, Jesus tells us in, in Luke chapter uh, uh, 10, verse 1, that we've got to pray. Or verse 2, we've got we, we to pray. We've got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And so I need you to start praying every day. God, use me to bring souls to you. Start working in my life. And God, raise up people who can do this with me. You know what? That's what I think is so wonderful about a husband and wife team is that you're doing it together. You're inviting your neighbor over and you're saying, hey, we want to share Jesus with you. You're not doing it alone. You're doing it together. You're busy working for God, advancing his kingdom. In verse 5, Jesus says, pray a, a prayer of blessing upon those that you come in contact with. Here, here's what I've discovered, people, is that everybody wants to be blessed. I, people that are not even Christians, when they find out I'm a pastor, they say, oh, I could sure use your prayer, or, or could you remember me to the big guy upstairs? You know, I, I know what they're saying. They, they mean God. Uh, Pastor, could you just remember us in prayer, and I could sure rem- if you could just remember us to the big guy that would be so so appreciated and I say, "Well, how about we do that right now they 're all in favor of that here 's what happens, folks when you and I begin to pronounce blessing upon people who are open. Watch this. The Bible says that the God of this age, who is Satan, has blinded the eyes." Of all those who don't know Jesus, so I know, I know who is blinded by Satan. They're the ones that that don't seem to be interested. They're here this morning, but they're kind of like not, they're not here. They don't want to be here. I wish I wasn't here. But what, I'm going to pronounce a blessing upon you right now. And as I pronounce that blessing upon you, I'm praying that. That God will draw that blindness from your eyes so that you can see the truth and you'll be open to receive the truth. That's really what God, what Jesus is saying here. You need to pray a blessing, pronounce a blessing on people so that their eyes will be open and they can see the truth. And everybody knows that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's what needs to happen. Hey, when's the last time you pronounced a blessing on the people you work with? I know some of you are cursing the people you work with. In fact, you're cursing your boss. In fact, maybe you're even cursing your wife or your kids or your neighbor. Hey, stop that. They need Jesus. They don't need your curse and they need your blessing. And you need to say, hey, you know what? I love you. I appreciate you. You're you're, You're a good boss. You're a good neighbor. You're a good spouse. You're great kids. Pronounce a blessing upon them and watch their hearts open to receive your message. Folks, that's not my idea. That's what Jesus says. The next thing you need to do is you need to pray for the healing of the individual. Verse 9. Now, I know that for some people that you're not really quite sure of this because you prayed for people and they didn't get healed. Can I just remind you of something about healing? Because I think a lot of Pentecostals really get this confused. You need to understand that healing... The most important healing of all is the healing of a person's heart and mind. This is what is most important. Now, obviously, that's not all that this passage is talking about. We look at the context we know. We're talking about physical healing as well. But here's what you need to know. The most important thing of all is that a person is healed spiritually. In other words, that they come to Christ. They come to that place where they surrender to Jesus. That's the most important thing of all. And when Jesus went around healing people, it was for a purpose. What is the purpose? It was to glorify his father. To point people to the father. To help people see God. It's really important to get this. Back 500 years ago, some some Puritan ministers got together and they said, we're, "We're every Sunday people are coming to church. They're hearing the sermons. They go through. The, they, have their, they have the they have the the communion. They do all that, but nobody really knows what they believe. And so, what they did is they came up with what we call a confession, the Westminster Confession. In fact, and this Westminster Confession begins with these words." The chief purpose, the chief end of man, the thing that you and I were created to do, was to do two things. Number one was to glorify God. That is, we're supposed to live our lives. Our lives are lived to point people to God. That's that's what. if you're a Christian today, that is your purpose. So whatever you go through, whatever suffering, whatever whatever pain, if you're martyred, if you're put to death, or if you live and have a good health, whatever your situation is, you live your life for the glory of God. Because a lot of TV preachers and a lot of people in, in, in certain circles, which I'm not going to mention, they are under this notion that it's all about me. And if you think today that the Christian life is all about you, then you don't get it at all. Your job is to live a life that brings glory to God. That is biblical. That is scriptural. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Live your life in such a way that it causes people around you to praise your Father in heaven. Look it up. And the second thing that you're supposed to do, and I love this, is you're supposed to enjoy God forever. Folks, you and I were created for fellowship with God. Did you know that? You and I were created for him. God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and said, these people are going to be people I'm going to love forever, and we are going to fellowship together, and we are going to enjoy that loving relationship. Folks, this really is what you were created for. And many of you sitting here today had no idea You have no idea that that's that's why you came to Christ. Your job is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And this is what Jesus is telling his disciples to do. Go and and, and make that clear to people. Let people come into a rich relationship with me. And here's the next thing you need to do when you're going to do your evangelism. Because here's the thing that makes everybody scared. What if they reject me? What if they slam the door in my face? What if they hate me? What if they talk about me behind my back? So, Jesus says this, anyone who accepts your message and is, is also accepting me, and anyone who rejects you is rejecting me, and anyone who rejects me is rejecting the God who sent me. Did you get that? So when they reject you, here's what you need to know. They, you are now engaged in spiritual warfare. You now, you've now gone up to another level. And you are engaging them on a level that they're not even aware that you're engaging them on. You, you are now, you're not just having a cup of coffee and talking about the weather and the game. and, the, and you're, you're now talking about spiritual things. And most people are not even aware of what's going on in the spiritual realm. You need to understand this, folks. When you begin to witness, you are now entering to a different realm. And you're engaging people in a spiritual realm. If they reject you, Understand, Jesus says, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You're rejecting the Father. Your job is not to get people to love you or accept you. How many know that today? But most of us live like that, don't we? We want want everybody to love us. We want to be the popular one. We don't want to be rejected. We want to be uh, accepted as being marvelous. And Jesus is saying, no. What you want is you want to please your Father in heaven. You want to obey him. And finally, what you have to do is you have to celebrate, and we're done here. You have to celebrate. Listen to this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. It's amazing what you can do when you're going out. Listen, when you go out to win the loss, when you go out to evangelize, folks, that's when the power of God kicks in, and you begin to see the supernatural happening in ways you cannot even imagine. It will blow your mind. And you'll be doing a lot of celebrating. In fact, I want to celebrate this morning. Something very exciting. Some of you know that uh, uh, our youth pastor. We're looking for a new youth pastor, and so in the meantime, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it again. I was youth pastor for four years. I loved it, and I'm loving it again. Now, watch this, folks. on On Friday night, on Friday night, uh, we had a really good time together. I talked to them about John ten ten about how Jesus says the thief. Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. Rich and satisfying life. And so he cast a vision for these kids of what their future could look like. And then I said, anybody who wants to ask Jesus into their life, I want you just to stay behind and everybody else can quietly leave. And folks, here's, uh, here's what we need to celebrate this morning. Ten kids came to Christ on Friday night. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you that you're working in us and you're working through us. We're asking God that you be glorified and honored. And uh, through everything that we say and do. God, we, we want to be, we really want to be your servants. We want to know the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, Lord, so that we can win many for Christ. How thrilling would it be if everybody across church won just one person to Jesus this this summer, before the end of the year. God, we're praying bold prayers, and we're asking that you do something fantastic. Lord, it's for your glory and for your honor, and it's exactly what you asked us to do. So we're not asking for anything you don't want. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is exactly what you want us to do. So empower us now, we pray, by your Spirit. Use us, Lord, to win people for Jesus. We pray that in Christ's name. And everyone said it? Tell the people beside you, we're going to take over the world.